Speaking of teams, we're wrapping up our series today called Team Spirit. And in this series, we've been learning about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I've enjoyed every week. I haven't preached every week, but we had our guest, Pastor Aaron, with us the first week. And then last week, we had Pastor Jacob uh, give a great message on walking in the Spirit and learning about the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to wrap us up today. And I'm excited about today, not just the message that I'm going to share, but because as I mentioned earlier during communion, today is a special Sunday because it's Pentecost Sunday. Now, if you are maybe not a church person, or even if you grew up in church and you're like, I've never heard of Pentecost Sunday, be at peace because a lot of people are not familiar with Pentecost Sunday. For most people in the church world, everything builds up to Easter. And then after Easter, it's kind of like in the church world, you just kind of just exhale a little bit. But when you look at scripture, what you discover is that Easter wasn't the end game. Easter was actually the beginning. It was after Easter, after the resurrection, that the church was born, that the Holy Spirit was poured out, that the gospel was taken into other parts of the world. So what I want to do is just stay in step with scripture and we're going to look at Pentecost, but we can't start at Pentecost. We can't start in Acts chapter 2, because if we did that, that would be like watching The Force Awakens without ever having seen the original trilogy. Like, you're just going to miss the meaning, because you don't know what it took to get you there. So we're going to begin in Luke, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, where we see Pentecost take place. And if you have your Bibles, you can find your way to Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to start. Now, Luke chapter 24 is the last chapter in Luke. And at this point in scripture, Jesus has been to the cross. His disciples saw him on the cross. They saw him crucified. They witnessed him being placed in the tomb. And after three days, he rose again. And after the resurrection, what we learn is that for the next 40 days, Jesus was teaching and preparing his disciples for his ascension. He, he was telling them about the principles of the kingdom. He was preparing them for the fact of all this stuff we've been doing this last three years, this mission we've been on. Well, now it's your mission. That's where we hear about the great commission. He's sending them off. But in Luke chapter 24, I want us to take a look because these are the final words of Jesus on earth before his ascension into heaven. And you just think for yourself now, if you knew that you were in your final moments and you were with your closest friends, the people you love the most, you would be very selective about the words that you used. Well, this is that moment for Jesus in Luke chapter 24, verse 49 is where we're going to start. He says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. So Jesus says, hey, my father has a promise. My father has a gift for you. 
And after this moment, they literally watch him go up into heaven. Now I want us to look at Acts. Now, Acts is written by Luke. Luke, the the same writer of the gospel of Luke. I know it's not an original title, but that's what it's called. And where we're at in in Acts, you got to think of it like a sequel. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And where in the gospel of Luke, he writes about the spirit-empowered ministry of Jesus. In the book of Acts, he writes about the spirit-empowered ministry of the people of Jesus. That's why it's called the book of Acts. It's the acts of the early church or the acts or actions of the apostles. So when we see the book of Acts, we're we're seeing how the church was in its early stages. So Acts chapter one, we're gonna start in verse one. And he says, Theophilus, I first wrote to you about all that Jesus did and taught from the very first until he was taken up to heaven. So he's referencing his previous book, the book of Luke. But before he was taken up, he gave orders to the apostles he had chosen with the help of the Holy Spirit. For 40 days after Jesus had suffered and died, He proved in many ways that he had been raised from death. He appeared to his apostles and he spoke to them about God's kingdom. I want you to notice verse four. While he was still with them, he said, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here. And I want you to remember that word wait. Don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the father to give you the Holy Spirit. Just as I told you, he's promised to do. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to read verse four one more time. It says, while he was still with him, he said, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. I want to speak to you from this subject on Pentecost Sunday. Catch your breath. Catch your breath. I want to talk to you from this subject, catch your breath. Now, it's my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's word. So would you bow your head with me and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. God, you know what people need. You know what they're facing. And God, I believe that this is a now word for people. God, use me to communicate your truth. Holy Spirit, we invite you in. Personalize this and individualize this for each person. We believe it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. I'm curious, how many of you like to run? You enjoy running. Can I just see who you are? I might have to cast a demon out of you later. Um, A few of you. Uh, If you raise your hand, I respect you. I admire you. I just cannot relate to you. Because when I'm running, the last thing I can think about is, man, this is fun. I enjoy this. (laughs) When when I'm running, the only thing I can think about is, when can I stop? In fact, my idea of hell is really just burning and running. That's (laughs) what I think hell would be like. And that's biblical to hate running, by the way, because the Greek word race is a word you may have heard before. It means agony. That's literally what the word race comes from. It's agony. And I, uh, I, I've just noticed maybe it's with the, the unofficial kickoff for summer, people trying to get their, their beach body going. I see a lot more people running. I personally is more excited about National Donut Day, so you can find out how I'm doing with this. But 
I don't know, I just, I feel sometimes, even though I don't like running, I feel sometimes like in my life, I'm always running. I'm always running. And it, it's not because I'm just rushed or I'm in a hurry, you know. I, uh, uh, I'm, it's, it's because the things, that in front of, the things that are in front of me are important. It's, it's funny because really there's only one thing I hate more than running. You know what that is? It's running at the airport. Have you ever had to run at the airport? <laughs> now sometimes I see people run, I just cheer them on. I'm like, go, you can make it. Just give them some encouragement. But running, I feel like that's my life sometimes. I'm always trying to get to the next thing. And like I said, it's not because I'm just in a hurry or, or rushed because what's in front of me is important. And I don't think it's bad if you feel like you're running. I don't think you need to feel guilty about that. I mean, this is Velocity Church after all. I think there's value in being on the move. But what marked me in this passage as I was studying about Pentecost and preparing to share with you this, this week is what Jesus said to them right before he left. And I told you to remember a word. Do you remember what that word was? Wait. Wait. Why did Jesus tell them to wait? Because in my mind, it's time to get to work. In my mind, it's time to get busy. There's a lot of stuff to do. Can you imagine being in this moment? I mean, in this moment, this is not immediately after the resurrection where they were still scared for their life and they didn't know what was going to happen. No, this is 40 days after the resurrection. Scripture actually talks about that Jesus appeared to his disciples 10 times. It records 10 times in scriptures after the resurrection that he showed himself to his disciples. What we're reading about is the 10th time. So at this point, they should be psyched up. At this point, they should be ready to go. At this point, they've seen God work. They've seen his power. It seems to me like Jesus would want them to get busy but the picture presented in this passage isn't one that you'd expect. And it gave me a lot of encouragement as I was reading it this week. And I believe it's going to do the same thing for you. In fact, if your life feels anything like my life, where you're always running, where you feel like there is more to do than the time that you have to do it, I want to encourage you with this thought. It's the first thing you should write down that God doesn't just order our steps, he also orders our stops. He doesn't just order our steps, he, he orders our stops. See, most of the time, we think that Jesus' last words were go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. We're like, yes, we need to go. We need to be about it. But that's not true. The last thing Jesus said his last words were, wait, let's look at it one more time, verse 4. He said, don't leave Jerusalem yet. Wait here for the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. And if we're honest, waiting's hard. Waiting is the worst. I don't know anybody who, like, gets in line at the longest checkout line just because they love waiting. You know, I, I like things taking some time. I'm going to drive five miles below the speed limit just to make it take a little longer. I love waiting. And what's funny is that as I read through this passage, even if it was strategic for 
this moment to happen on Pentecost because Pentecost, it's, it's a Jewish holiday. Maybe he wanted all the people there. Even if it's strategic that, okay, this has to happen on Pentecost, so you need to wait for Pentecost. I still wouldn't have told the disciples to wait. I would have been like, okay, you got 10 days. Start gathering as many people as you can. Make the most of these moments. You know, you got to be about it. You got to maximize the time. But he wanted them to wait because there was something that they didn't have that they needed to move forward. And it's not a mystery what it was. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I call the sermon Catch Your Breath is because when, when I'm talking about Catch Your Breath, what I'm really talking is for you to receive a personal empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In Greek, the word for spirit is pneuma. It literally means breath. It's, it's not just means breath. It literally means it's this blast of air. It's this rush of wind. It's this exhale. It's interesting to think of the Holy Spirit as the breath of God because sometimes we say things like God breathed, like scriptures, God breathed. What do we mean? We mean it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we'll say, like, God just breathed on this moment. He breathed on this thing I was doing. What do we mean? We mean that th this thing that I was doing, it was inspired, it was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even just think about creation. When God created Adam and it says that he breathed into man the breath of life, that God's exhale that was our first inhale. It's kind of like this balloon. In many ways, our life is like this balloon. Without the breath of God in our life, we're, you know, formless, with, without any power. But when, when God breathes into our life, when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, then our lives begin to take shape. Our lives begin to have purpose. Our lives begin to, to we're formed into what God wants for us with the Holy Spirit in our lives. But if we're honest, for most of us, this is kind of what our lives are like. Deflated, defeated, Without purpose, with, without shape. And what I want to tell you is you don't have to live that way. Maybe you've heard it called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard it called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to call it. What we're talking about is to receive power from the Spirit of God to do what God has called you to do. And God has called each of us to do specific things. And unique things. This is why we talk so much about essentials, by the way. Essentials, which, which happens 15 minutes on the hour after service, where you can discover the unique way that God made you, where you can discover God has a purpose for your life. He has put gifts in your life. He's put abilities in your life. Your experience that sh experiences that you have, all of those things, part of the unique ways God has made you so that you can do what God has called you to do. And 
Despite the unique things or specific things, one thing we know for all of us is that God has called all of us to be a witness. We see it in Scripture in Acts chapter 1. He says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're going to read about, on Pentecost, we're going to read about how powerfully these disciples witnessed about Jesus. But before we get to that point, I just want to point out to you that these powerful witnesses, before they received the Holy Spirit, they were so powerful in their witness that they ran away when Jesus was being arrested. What was it that made the difference in their life? What, what took these, these cowards and enabled them to face persecution, to endure hardship, to preach the gospel, to plant churches. It's not a mystery. They did it by waiting to receive an empowering from the Holy Spirit. And this is why being filled with the Spirit is so important. Because I can't fulfill God's purpose in my power. It's the second thing you should remember. I can't fulfill God's purpose in my power. Now, make no mistake about it. You were created on purpose, for purpose, with a purpose. There is a unique call on your life, but you cannot be who God created you to be, and you cannot do what God created you to do without an empowering of the Spirit of God. Despite what you might think, you are not an accident. Despite how you might feel, your life is not a mistake. Scripture actually says this through the prophet Jeremiah. Let me read it to you. God said, before I formed you in your mother's body, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart to serve me. Think about this. Before you were born... God said your life had value. Before you were born, he saw the fullness of what your life could be and who you could become. Before you even drew your first breath, God had a plan for you. And guess what? It is a good and pleasing and perfect plan. You might have been a surprise to your earthly parents, you might have been unplanned to your earthly parents, but you were not an accident to your heavenly father. He made you with a purpose, but we can't fulfill God's purpose in our own power. Just think about the disciples for a minute. For, for three years, they've watched Jesus do some crazy things. They started out, they were fishermen. They started out, they were tax collectors. They, they started out, they were just average people. They were not rabbis in training. They were not ministry experts. And yet, following Jesus, they, they witnessed all these things. They, they saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. They saw Jesus heal blind eyes. They saw him heal broken bodies. They saw him restore people who had leprosy. They, they saw him walk on water. They saw storms cease. They saw miracle after miracle, they even saw Jesus die on the cross and be resurrected. 
They witnessed all of these things, but none of these things were what empowered them to be a witness. What was it that did? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And Pentecost is the day where they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to read it together. It's in Acts chapter 2. So Jesus has promised them this. He said, I want you to wait for this. And in Acts 2 verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a noise came from heaven. It sounded like a strong wind blowing. This noise filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something that looked like flames of fire. The flames were separated and stood over each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages and the Holy Spirit was giving them the power to do this. So real quick, Pentecost, it's not a New Testament holiday. It's actually a Jewish holiday. Pentecost, it literally means 50. It's the Greek word for 50. So 50 days after Passover, there's all of these Jews from all of these regions in the world at Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday, to celebrate this festival. And on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in. All the disciples are gathered together because Jesus told them to wait. And while they're waiting in this moment, there's this sound of a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Spirit comes on them, fills them, and they begin to speak in different languages and Sometimes people get weirded out about that, but they were speaking these different languages. It was just a sign for what was happening. And because there's all these people from different nations there, they hear this sound, they rush to see what's going on. And when they get there, it's craziness. All these disciples that are speaking in a language that they understand, their own nationality. And they say, what's going on? Are these guys drunk? What's happening? And then Peter, he gets up and you know all the other disciples are like, come on, not anybody but Peter. Like this guy's never gotten anything right and he's about to speak. We don't know what he's going to say. But he begins to get up and speak and he says, hey, these guys aren't drunk. What you're seeing is a sign. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy in Joel. And he begins to preach the gospel to them. He preaches about the life and ministry of Jesus. He preaches about his death, his burial, and resurrection. And we pick it up in verse 37. After Peter gets done with the sermon, it says, when the people heard this, they felt very, very sorry. In other words, they were convicted of their sin. They asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, change your hearts and lives and be baptized each morning. In other words, you need to repent. You, you need to turn from your way of thinking change your heart, change your mind, repent, be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, then God will forgive your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It's also for your children, for the people who are far away. This message, this promise, this gift is for everyone. I feel like some church should use that. This is for everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. And if you read on in Acts chapter two, what you see is that this day, 3,000 people believed in Jesus. 3,000 people were baptized. 3,000 people received the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't know about you, but I want to see God move like that. I believe God can still move like that. I believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe we will see God move like that. But I want you to notice it didn't happen because of the disciples' own strength. Didn't happen because they had some great strategy. It happened because they received an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It happened because they received the gift. So here's the third thing I would tell you. Don't go without the gift. Don't, don't go without the gift. You notice these disciples, they didn't just wait for the promise. After they received the gift, they got to work. But I think too many of us, we're trying to go without the gift. We're trying to, to work and live this life and do what God's called us to do without the gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Can you hand me that? It's kind of like, like this kite. Do you like this kite? It's my toucan kite. Anybody like to fly kites here? A few of you? All right. This summer, we're starting a group, <laughs> kite, kite flying group. I like to fly a kite. And you know, if you want to fly a kite, there is one thing you need to fly a kite. What is it? You need some wind. Now, because without wind, this is what you get. It looks like this. Now, I don't know if you have ever tried to fly a kite without wind, but contrary to popular belief, you actually can fly a kite without wind. You just have to work for it. And I think there's a lot of us, this is how we're living the Christian life. We're gonna fly this kite. I really hope I don't hit that LED screen because it's like $50,000, but <laughs> we're flying this kite. And you know, I can keep doing this for a while. And it's a little awkward. You look kind of funny. And, you know, I work out, so I can do this for a while, but, you know, I don't like running, so after a while, I get tired. And what happens after I get tired, I don't know, should I just keep preaching the rest of the sermon like this? <laughs> after I get tired, this happens. And this is a picture of most of our Christian lives. I can do it for a while. I can keep going for a while. I don't need the help of the Holy Spirit. I don't need the wind of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, it's not as much fun when you got to do this by yourself. But Pentecost tells us when the Holy Spirit came, he came like a strong mighty wind. And if life feels like this for you, you need a filling of the Holy Spirit. So don't go without the gift. Here's the last one. You also need to remember to stay full as you follow. To stay full as you follow. What's interesting as you read the book of Acts is that you'd think this power that they received in this moment would be all they need. I mean, in this moment, 
the church was born. In this moment, people are saved. In this moment, people are baptized. In this moment, miracles begin to happen. And then guess what happens? Peter and John go to jail. Yeah. Let me just be clear. The the filling of the Holy Spirit is not going to make your problems go away. But it will make a difference in how you respond. And there is a marked difference in how these people respond. They're no longer cowering in fear over what's going to happen. And they begin to speak with boldness. They begin to pray with boldness. And they get brought before the officials because they're put in prison. And the officials, they, they can't find any fault with them. So they let them go. And they just say, make sure you don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Make sure you don't say anything that's going to make us uncomfortable. Make sure you don't say that stuff. And so what did they do? They didn't worry about it. They prayed about it. And it's in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. I want you to notice. It says, after they had prayed, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and bravely spoke God's message. These same disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, you see them filled again. What I'm trying to tell you is that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. So the question isn't, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? The real question is, have you been filled today? Have you been filled today? If I'm honest with you, even this week, I don't know, there's something about like whenever I preach a message, like God always enables me to to live it out in my heart and in my soul before I bring it to you. I'm going to start preaching about prosperity and blessing, I think, so I can live that out. But even this week, man, if I'm honest with you, my life kind of looked and felt like that kite right there. Defeated, deflated. And it's not because I haven't been filled with the Spirit. It's because I needed a fresh filling. So I just began to pray on Friday. I just began to pray, God, I don't want to do this in my own strength. God, I don't want to do this in my own power. I don't want to strategize around this. I can't do it in my own strength. God, I, I, don't, I don't want this just to be like my ideas or, God, I, I need you. I need your help. God, I, I need your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your spirit again. God, fill me with your joy. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your strength. God, I, I need your spirit. I need to be filled with your spirit. And can I tell you, between 3 p.m. on Friday and 3 p.m. on Saturday, there's a marked difference in my life. Not because my circumstances changed, but because I got a fresh feeling. Paul writes about this in Ephesians. He says, Ephesians 5, 
He says, don't get drunk on wine, which causes you to lose control. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He means be filled continually and continuously. I like this because the reality is, the way Paul puts it, all of us are being filled with something. It might not be a substance for you, but you are filling your life, filling your mind, filling your heart with something. Binging Netflix to cope, drown out the drama. Maybe it is a substance for you. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe you're filling your mind and your heart and your life with with things that are only weighing you down. I, I wanted to bring this message to you today so you could catch your breath. Before you, you go and run to the next thing, that you would receive a personal empowerment from the Holy Spirit. Like I said, the question isn't, have you been filled with the Spirit? The question is, have you been filled today?